0: Not one who is a Jew outwardly. And God doesn't come circumcision which is outward in the flesh to be anything. He's telling the Jews, God comes a Jew who is one word inwardly. And the circumcision, as far as God is concerned, is in the heart of the person, in the experience of the Holy of the person. And that is done by the Holy Spirit, and therefore no man can boast and say, I circumcise anybody. Amen, brethren. A beautiful way of ending chapter 2. Chapter 2, therefore, clearly shows that there is no difference between what? Jews and Gentiles. And it shows the issue is what? Conversion. Amen, brethren? Amen, brethren? The issue is conversion. If you and I learn that well, you know what you and I will think here? You and I will think very much that we better be converted. You and I will think very much that we better be converted. When you see those corrupt guys start to sing their corrupt tunes and do their corrupt acts and so on, make sure you do not be partakers of it let them don't put darkness over your mind and let me tell you something one last statement here before i close. one last statement let me tell you the statement. satan knows very well that he's preparing the earth for the third initiation satan knows very well he's preparing the earth for the third initiation in the third initiation every single person who goes through it will actually believe and call lucifer god and under the third initiation but to prepare you for the third initiation he must carry you through the first initiation and the second initiation when you hear those corrupt tunes and you believe those corrupt philosophy satan is slowly but insidiously. Planted pantheism in your mind and as pantheism spread and becomes your tenet of thinking by the time the period of the third initiation comes and it is coming very soon, it will be just a matter of fact before you agree in your mind and in your actions some in your mind and some in your actions that Lucifer is God and those that claim Lucifer is God and on Satan's side of the great controversy will frankly the seeds of the seven last plagues. Is that understand my dear brother? So I beg of you, hear me now. Yes. Much of the movies that are coming out today, you notice in the movies, they always glorify the Buddhism. They always glorify Buddhism and pray to some kind of Michigan. They never pretend Christianity as great. They never present somebody as praying the God and as a great thing. They always glorify. Watch out for the pantheism. Watch out very well for the pantheism that is spreading. Because Satan is preparing every one of you, including you children, for the third initiation. You may not see evil angels, but they are working overnight to prepare you all for the third initiation. Don't let them fool you. Preserve your mind. Receive the gospel. Amen, brethren? Second coming is in the millennium age. We don't believe that. Where Christ's second coming is in the millennium age. But I don't even know something called a millennium age in the first place. We don't even know what that means. First time I'm here, we tell millennium age. I know the millennium will come in the future, and that is when Christ comes and probation is closed. That's when the millennium starts, and that's when the millennium begins. But I don't know Christ is coming in that age. And I don't know that is an age. So that is something different, right? Okay. Now my dear brethren, have you understood what we have talked so far in chapter 2? Have you understood what we have talked so far in chapter 2? What, so what is the chief verse in chapter 2? And what is chapter 2 all about? There is no difference. If you learn that, you have learned something. If you have learned that you have learned something. Go back over chapter 2 on your own. See it is showing that there is no difference between what? Jews and Gentiles. And see that chapter 2 verse 11 is the chief verse. For God is no respecter of persons. Let's start. Let us pray. Loving Father, we thank you very much for these truths that you have shown us. Help us to personally go through them and understand them. Bless our hearts with them and help us that we will recognize that we must live as a spiritual Jew, keeping the righteousness of the Lord through faith, having our hearts circumcised, which is justification. And help us, O Lord, that we would not make the mistake the Jews' made and not cause your name to be blasphemed through our evil deeds. Thank you very much, Father, for showing us this truth. And may we exalt your holy name in all that we say and do. Through Christ our Savior we pray, and thanks heaven at name. Amen. Thanks. Okay, just sit for the announcements quickly. Yes, brothers. we thank you for your mercies and your kindness towards us. We ask of you tonight to grant unto us your Holy Spirit that we would understand the truths of Jesus Christ. Help us to grow in our knowledge of the scriptures, that we will learn the truth enough to help others and to show them the facts from the Bible. Help us that our minds may have an openness, a rationalism, a discernment, and a love for truth, that we would abide in the truth, we study it every day so tonight father we come before you asking you to have mercy upon us to grant us your holy spirit that we will understand the truth these mercies we ask of you knowing that you are loved father and thanking you very much for hearing us and blessing us tonight amen already, and we have also touched Romans chapter 2. So now we are going to be dealing with Romans chapter 3. Now my dear brethren, pay careful attention as we get into this chapter because this chapter is very important for us to understand the other chapters that are to come. So, uh, we are going to be Going through this whole chapter and taking into consideration the well needed and value of Romans chapter 3. Now, first of all, let me give you the two chief verses of Romans chapter 3. The two chief verses of Romans chapter 3. They are both verse 23 and 24. Verses 23 and verse 24. Those are the chief verses of Romans chapter 3. Let's read the chief verses. Let's read it. It tells us this. Read it. It says here, And I'm coming short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now these two verses sums up the most center verse or the high points of Romans chapter 3. My dear brethren, Romans chapter 3 are pointing out two important things to us. It is pointing out to us that the Jews and Gentiles are no different when it comes to sin. This is the first and important point Romans is pointing out to us. That the Jews and Gentiles are no different when it comes to sin. And the second and most important point that Romans chapter 3 is pointing out to us is that the Jews and Gentiles are saved the same way. So two things. The Jews and Gentiles are saved the same way, plus the Jews and Gentiles are all corrupt sinners. There's no difference between the two of them. So we can say that what Romans chapter three is going to explain to us, is that there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles And that no difference can be seen this way. Both Jews and Gentiles are horrible, despicable sinners. And both Jews and Gentiles are saved by the grace of God, through faith, being justified. This is what Romans chapter 3 is all about. So, we can now start from verse 1. We can now start from verse 1. Romans chapter 3. And we are starting from verse 1. Reading. What advantage then had the Jew? The question is asked. What advantage then had the Jew? He continues. Or what profit is there of circumcision? In other words, what he is simply saying is, what advantage does the Jews have above the Gentiles? And what is the advantage of circumcision? What, what advantage do they have? And what is the advantage of being circumcised? He explains, reading, verse 2, Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Do you see that again? Like unto them were what? committed the what? The oracles of God. That's the only way the Jews have advantage over the Gentiles. To them were committed the oracles of God. So put it this way, the first thing Paul starts off and tells us is that the Jews had this advantage over the Gentiles. Only this advantage. What advantage had the Jew? What advantage had them as they were circumcised? Chiefly this that to them were given the what? Oracles of God. The Gentiles did not have the oracles of God. We know about the oracles of Delphi. Right? We know about the oracles of ISIS. And we know about all those different oracles that were held by different nations. All of those oracles led them into pantheism, magic, superstition, and transgression of the law of God. But when it came to the children of Israel, they had the one, oracles of God. And that was their advantage in contrast to all the others. They had the oracles of God. So this is the only advantage an Israelite could say he had over a Gentile. It is that he had the what? The oracles of God. This is why if we want to know the truth, we don't go to Hindu scriptures. We do not go to Arabic scriptures. We do not go to Chinese scriptures, neither do we go to any ancient tradition of any nations. Anybody, anywhere in the world who wants to know the truth, chiefly this they have to do. Go to the scriptures or the oracles of God that were given to whom? The Israelites. Is that understood, my dear brethren? Go to the oracles. And this is why we are actually being told that the only thing the Israelites had for them going in contrast to the Gentiles, is that to them were given you what? The oracles of God. Apart from that, they were the same as all the other nations, corruption as of the other nations, and also justified by faith, through the grace of God when they repent just as all the other nations. Is that understood, my dear brethren? This is why the center chapters of Romans chapter 3 is verse 23 and verse 24. Is that understood, my dear brother? That's why those two verses. For all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory glory of God. God. Being what? Therefore, being what? Justified by faith. Is that understood, my dear brother? Yes,
1: brother.
0: Well, to find out what are the oracles of God, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 31, 9 to 13, and 24 to 26. Yes, brother when it came to moral practices and sins, we are being told that God told the Israelites that you all were the worst of all the nations and when he, said, when, I, when he said the worst of all the nations, he meant corrupt, sinful hard-hearted, stiff-necked and one of the strongest problems that, that they all had was economic corruption economic corruption sometimes something they still have to do right? Now turn to Deuteronomy 31 Nine to thirteen, Deuteronomy thirty-one, nine to 13 nine to thirteen. First of all, and then twenty-four to twenty-six. Notice it says here. Notice what we are dealing with here. It says here, unto them the Israelites were committed the what? Oracles of God. Let's see God committing his oracles to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 31, we're reading 9 to 13. Reading. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord and unto all the elders of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 9. You go to verse 10. And Moses commanded them in the solemnity of the year of release, in the feast of tabernacles, right? Verse 11. When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God, in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their word. Hearing. Do you see that, my dear brethren? It goes on. Gather people, gather the people together, men and women and children and thy stranger that is within thy gates That they may hear, and that they may learn, and fear Yahweh, your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. Do you see that there, my dear brethren? Now let's go down a little lower down. We go to verse 24 to 26. 24 to 26. Read it. 24 to 26. It says this. And it came to pass. When Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book until he were finished, until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites which bear the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, your God that it may be there for a witness against thee. Do you see that? Now the book of the law that was written here by Moses had everything in it. It had the Ten Commandments in it. It had also the whole ceremonial system in it. And there were also a lot of ordinances in dealing with people righteously. And Moses wrote this thing out and he put it in his, he put it in. He He gave it to the priest to so put it in the side of the ark. And every seventh year when they have their jubilee, or did they release, the 70th of release, sorry, of slaves. This same law were to be read before all the Israelites, that they would learn about the commandments of God, learn about the ceremonial system, what it was teaching us about, and learn a lot about relating to one another with just and equitable ordinances. So they were to learn these things. But it so happening, therefore, here is Moses writing it down, here is Moses speaking it before Israel, and here is Moses committing it to Israel and giving the priests a duty to constantly, every seven years, to read this whole thing to the whole children of Israel. Is that this, my dear brother? So we could go back to Romans now and we'll look at this important point. Back to Romans chapter 3. We read verse 1 and verse 2 again. Romans chapter 3. We read verse 1 and verse 2 again. We are dealing with Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2 again. It tells us, I read, What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision, much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed what? The oracles of God. Do you see that, my dear brethren? So this is the advantage that an Israelite or a Jew had over the Gentiles to them were granted or given or put toward the oracles of God because remember when you, you, you understand the sense of that when you understand what Romans chapter 3 is all about Romans chapter 3 is telling us two things it is simply telling us let's look again at the high points of Romans chapter 3 what are the high, the two most important verses of Romans chapter 3 verse 23 and verse 24 This is what the whole of Romans chapter 3 is all about. It tells us this. This is a summary of it, of the whole of Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned and are coming short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, the whole of Romans is telling us that there is no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. All have sinned Jews and Gentiles are corrupt sinners. And Jews and Gentiles are redeemed by the grace of Jesus Christ being justified. Is, is that understood, my dear brethren? So he starts off rightly by asking us the question: what advantage the Jews have over them? This is the advantage he has. To them were committed you up, the oracles of God. That's the advantage he had. Other nations didn't have that, but that's the advantage that the Jews had over the Gentiles. Is that understood? so we will continue now Yes.
1: What
0: take, right? that, that, that. That. on the Old Testament the writings of the Old Testament their commentary on the Old Testament in other words they were already in apostasy they had already believed in um, pantheistic um, Baalism and a lot of magic and so on and they simply interpreted the Old Testament in that way and commented on it and that's the Talmud right so the Talmud have no part of sacred scripture it's not sacred scripture and there's a group by the name of the Karaites. right the Karaites, a group of Jews that started in the 1300s right or oh, in the 1100 sorry they started in the 1100 they denounced the Jews and tell them are oh, not supposed to believe in the Talmud just believe in the Old Testament and the, and the Karaites, you know were came from the SNEs in the earlier times. It's a revival of the SMEs from the earlier times. Now let's go back up now to Romans chapter yeah, 3.
1: Yeah, going
0: on. So what if some did not believe shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect. Now why did he tell us this? He is, he, is, he is saying this because some people may point and say, if the Jews had the oracles of God, how come they were living so bad? How come they were doing such wickedness? So yeah. so what if some didn't believe? So what if some didn't believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Is that understood? You notice he wasn't speaking about the faith of God before, but he was speaking about what? The oracles of God. And yet he speaks about faith of God as if it is the same oracles of God. That's right. Because they are the same. The same faith of God is also called the what? The oracles of God. Is that understood? That clearly shows us that faith is not what? Believing. Is that understood, my dear baby? Yes. That clearly shows us that. Faith is not believing. But, but you know, as Paul wrote chapter 3 in chapter 3, he identifies the faith of God in different ways, the oracles of God in different ways. Let me just write on this, and as we go on reading, I will add what I have to add. Oracles of God. Right? And then he said, So what if some didn't believe? Shall their unbelief make the Faith of God be what? Be what? Without defect? You have a parallelism here. Is that understood? You have a parallelism. The oracles of God, is t- it's called the same thing, what? The faith of God. Do you understand that, my dear brother? This clearly proves that faith is not what? Believing. It. Right? It is the revealed truth of God, the oracles of God. Right? Let's read on. It goes on. Reading verse 3 again. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid! Yea, let God be true, and every man a liar, as it is written, that thou might, mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art what? judge right. that thou might be justified in what yes. what thy nice. saints
1: nice. nice. nice.
0: nice. 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 do you see that my here brethren do you see it written down here so we know one thing for sure the, the oracles of god is also what the faith of god and it is god's what Save. amen brethren amen brethren do you see that yes so we know one important thing for sure that the faith of God is not believing. It is the oracles of God and it is the sayings of God. Is that understood, my dear brethren? But the the important point here we are seeing here is that God is so just and so righteous that we are being told, let every man a liar and let God be what? Be true. Is that understood, my dear brethren? Paul is showing how much the faith of God is true, that even though some people do not keep it, it doesn't mean that God is not true. Let every man be the liar in their testimony. Is that understood? But let God be what? True. Is that understood, my dear brethren? And God is true in what sense? In that he might be justified in his sayings. Right? When people come to judge him. You come to judge God and he's justified in his sayings. Why? Because God himself in his sayings or in his oracles points out to man and says, You are corrupt. And God is the one who points out to man and says, You need me to be righteous. So if we are righteous... It justifies God. He helped us. If we are corrupt, it still justifies God. He's right about us. Is that understood? Whatever He says, He is justified in His saying. Is that understood, my dear brethren? This is why nobody can fight against God justly. You know, some of us, the problems with some of us is that we do not learn how to use the Word of God and fight properly. We do not know how to use the Word of God and fight errors properly. We always fight it in a kind of wrong way. Either way you're dealing with sin or either way you're dealing with sinners, you and I can overcome them by using the word of God. Either way. In other words, the word of God clearly tells us that all human beings are corrupt and sinful. And the word of God also tells us that we need God to justify us. The moment somebody says, look at man, look at the state of the earth, look at crime, then they say, let God be one." True. Because God said that about man. And you will see it in chapter 3 as you go on. Is that understood? And every single thing government do, put up social programs, it doesn't stop crime. Bring more detectives, it doesn't stop crime. Buy more police cars, it doesn't stop evil. Again, that clearly shows that no man can change except it was what? God that changes him. Is that understood? So on the both ways it justifies who? God. He is still justified in all his sayings. Is that understood, my dear brethren? Let's read on. Verse 5. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak just like a man. Now you hear what he's saying, my dear brethren. He's clearly telling us that when we do unrighteousness, even that commends the righteousness of God. Why? Because God in His perfect righteousness says that all men are corrupt and sinful and desperately wicked. Who can know the heart? So if we do unrighteousness, even that commends the what? The righteousness of God. And even though that commends the righteousness of God, somebody may ask, then why does God take vengeance on us? Why does He take vengeance on us if right, our unrighteousness commends his righteousness why does he take vengeance on us he says i speak as a man that's how human beings speak he goes on god forbid for then how shall god judge the world amen brethren god forbid for then what how shall god judge the world if god is unrighteous in taking vengeance upon us then you should ask the question how shall god then what judge the world he goes on. For if the truth of God had more abound, had more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why am I yet also judge of sinner? It's the same thing he's asking another way. Let's just look at that statement again. For if the truth of God had abounded through my lie unto his glory. Why am I yet also judged as a sinner? So If I lie or I do some wrong, right? It exalts the truth of God, because it still um, justifies what God says that all men are corrupt and what all men are sinners. Is that understood, my dear brethren? So, for, so Paul is speaking like a man, and he's, when he's asking, "Why am I yet judged as a sinner?" human beings will answer. They will say, "My, my, if my evil." Glorify God. Why is He actually want, wanting to, to, to judge me? This clearly shows us that good and evil do not work. Go Amen. together. Amen, brethren? This is what these scriptures are talking about. You notice the statement here? The truth of God. For if the what? The truth of God. So we go on now. For. The truth of God. And do you know what we have got here? We have actually gotten, in these verses here, a clear understanding of what faith is all about. If the just shall live by faith, and if without faith it is impossible to what? Mm -hmm. to please God. It means to say we must have an adequate and proper understanding of what faith is. Faith is not believing. The devils believe and tremble. Yes, we must believe. Yes, we must believe. But we must also have the faith of God. Is that understood, my dear brethren? Right? So, we must believe the faith of God. So, this, these scriptures here clearly show us what faith is. You can now say that faith is simply what? Faith is simply what? Or what? Or what? Amen, you Do you see that? This is how you can learn a lot of precious truths in the scriptures. These are what you call parallelisms of the same thing. If somebody asks you, are the oracles of God the truths of God? Of course! It has to be the truths of God unless it is errors of God. <laughs> so you understand that, my dear maybe. this is why the oracles of God is the faith of God, is God's saints, saints of God, and it is what? The truth of God. Is that understood, my dear maybe? Here is a clear understanding, again, from the Bible, what faith is all about. Do you get a clear, idea, dear it? So, let's go on. It goes on. Verse eight. Let me read verse seven again, and we go to verse eight. Verse seven, and then we go to verse eight. For if the truth of God had more abounded through my lie unto His glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner, and not rather? exactly as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just do you see this my dear brethren in other words he is simply telling us that anybody who says this that you're not supposed to be judge a sinner because our evil glorify god We must not say, let us do evil, that good may come. We must not come to that idea. Because if we say, let us do evil, that good may come, this comes to the old pantheistic doctrine, that good of us, evil goes to the other. Is that understood, my dear brother? And anybody could say, well, don't worry about kidnappings. It must have kidnappings if it is to have something. Or it must have murders if it is to have this. Or it must have rapings if it is to have this. People say these things to justify evil. But we must not present good and evil as going together. And what Paul is saying, Paul is saying, some slanderously report and said that we are saying that let us do evil, that good may come. But he says it is a slanderous teaching. And he says the people who teach us, their damnation is just. Is that understood, my dear brother? Is that understood? Let's read on. What then? Now he comes back to his chief point. What then? Are we better than they? Do you see that? Are we the Jews better than they? The Gentiles, are that's what he's asking. Remember what we we're talking about in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 is telling us that both Jews and Gentiles are what? The same. Same in this sense. They are all corrupting us. And if anyone has to be changed, they need to be justified by the grace of God through the faith of. Jesus Christ. So that way all are the same. So he started off showing us that the only difference to the Jews is that the Jews are the oracles of God. And then he goes off a bit a touching certain points and then comes back to his major point. He goes on now. Oh, let's read it again, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, <clears throat> in no wise. For we have bought for we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are what? All under sin. Do you see that? Do you see that? All Jews and Gentiles, all under sin. So nobody is better than anybody. It goes on. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understand it. There is none that seek it after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become what? Unprofitable. There is none that do it good. No, not one. See quotes from Sands to strengthen this point. Showing that all of us are corrupt. Is that on the same idea, brother? Both Jews and Gentiles. This is why I'm saying what Romans chapter 3 is all about. Romans chapter 3 is simply telling us that Jews and Gentiles are not different to each other. Jews and Gentiles are the same. All are corrupt the same way. And if it's anyone that needs salvation, all of them get the salvation the same way. Is that understood. He goes on. He goes on. Their throat is an open sepulcher or tomb. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of acts is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them, Who are under the law, that what? Every mouth may be what? Stop. And that what? All the world may become what? Guilty before God. Do you see that, my dear brethren? Do you see that, my dear brethren? So what we are seeing here is that all the world is guilty before God. And this is why we are being told that whatever the law says, it says says it that all the world may become guilty before God. So when the law speaks, it speaks to those who are under the law, that is under the condemnation of the law. And since everybody was born condemned, and everybody is condemned before they are converted, then the law tells all of us that we are all corrupt and we are all sinners. Is that not so? So there is no difference between the Jews and Gentiles. Now let me just stop here at this point to show you something. (coughs) Do you know what the name pharisees mean? (coughs) Do you know what the word pharisees mean? The pure. That's what the word pharisees mean. The pure. The pure. That's what the word pharisees mean. Why did the pharisees call themselves the pure? Because the pharisees had a secret doctrine among them. This is a terrible secret doctrine. In this secret doctrine they believe that they themselves were pure by virtue of circumcision they entered into purity they were naturally pure so they went about seeing themselves as superior to everybody else so you can understand paul whatever the law says it says to what those who are what under the lord that what all the world may become what guilty before god so in other words he's saying all you pharisees all you jews are corrupt and up till today jews have a self-righteous attitude you know i never forget that jew i saw in his subway standing up in new york oh he has one hand on his hip one hand on his hip and he has his talmud in his hand and he's reading and bowing his head son looking around and feeling better than all of us he looks around and he's feeling he's better than all of us so i stood up and decided and i just keep watching at him so but my watch was saying, I see you, and I see what you're doing. And you watch smell, he watched him man. smile, he the acid. Yeah, he just said the acid, One them and he's watching this. What I'm simply saying, my dear brethren, is that they still have this self-righteous attitude. Look at their treatment of the Palestinians. They want to grab land, so they build a big wall to block off the Palestinians from themselves. Well, you could, have made the wall a proper, you could have built up the wall in a proper place. You could have put up the walls further out. But they put the wall further in that it will take people property. So when they come protest about the wall, they say, we must have security. They're still self-righteous. You wouldn't say you're thieves, you know? The people say you're grabbing our land. They say, we must have security. You must have security by grabbing the people's land. Everything they do, they're doing wrong. And they're looking for President Bush and company to justify them. This is why earlier this week, Mr. Abbas from the Palestinian had to run with maps. And documents and go and meet Bush and train just what the Israelis are doing. That's right, do you understand? Now after that, right? Now after that, Sharon now run with his documents now.
1: <laughs>
0: <coughs> is that understood, my dear brother? So what I'm simply saying is plain and simple. They still have their self righteous attitude. And while they have their self righteous attitude, they're foiling up everything proper. Foiling up Gentile laws as they call it. America have the law system, the legal system, they're destroying the American legal system. The latest thing I was seeing on Inside Base Camp is that they are now contemplating giving animal rights. So that now they could charge people for displaying animals like in a zoo, for pelting a stone and hitting a dog and so on. They actually are contemplating doing that. But we are re- reaching the further end of evolution. If everything evolved, then everything are the same. Each just take different roots in their evolution, different roots in their evolution. And if all are the same, then all is one. And if we can have rice, then the animal can have rice, and just all cockroaches will have rice. Do you know even? Do you know even thieves and all have rice? You're not hearing me, you know? Yes. Do you know even thieves have rights against you? A man broke into a house in London. The owner shot him with a gun. Do you know they jailed the owner for shooting the man? And they say that the thieves have rights too? Could you imagine that? This is how the Jews are foiling up below. And when they poison society and foil up the law, they then take over and say, you see, we're the righteous ones. But who corrupt the law? They themselves. Let's read on. From verse 19 again. From verse 19. Now we know that what things however the law says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped And all the world may become, what? Guilty before God. Therefore, you see who he's rebuking? The Jews. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall work. No flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the work, the knowledge of sin. Do you see that, my dear brethren? So neither the Jews nor the Gentiles can be justified by the law. All Jews and Gentiles are on the same level. Jews are corrupt. Gentiles are corrupt. Jews cannot be justified by the law. Gentiles cannot be justified by the law. Jews are only justified by the grace of God through Christ. Gentiles are only justified by the grace of God through Christ. All are the same as far as God is concerned. That's what Romans chapter 3 is all about. Let's look at the slant of Romans chapter 3 continuing. Verse 31. But now, but now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Let's just stop here. This is a scripture that many people need to understand. Notice what we are told. But now, the righteousness of God without the law, the Greek word there is apart from the law. So, if you have the Ten Commandments, let me write it down here. If you have the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, you also have something called the righteousness of God. You also have something called the righteousness of God that is apart from or different from the law. And what we are being told, but now. The righteousness of God right, apart from the law is manifested. Being witnessed or as the Greek said, being testified of by the law and the prophets. The phrase law and the prophets means the writings of Moses and all the other writings of the prophets. Is that understood? Is that understood my dear brother? So what we are actually being told here is simply this. (coughs) That if we look (coughs) <coughs> and the writings of the law, the writings of Moses and the prophets we see in them something called the righteousness of God which is different to the Ten Commandments is that understood? is that understood? and do you know this is one of the fundamental mistakes that traditional Seventh-day Adventist church have been making they do not know that there is a difference between the righteousness of God and the Ten Commandments Yes, the Ten Commandments is also called the righteousness of God. All thy commandments are righteousness. But there is also something called the righteousness of God that is different to the Ten Commandments. And Acts of 7, what is the righteousness of God? All they could tell you is the law. All they could tell you is the law. And what people need to understand is this is what Martin Luther found out. When the Reformation started from which we can trace our source. Because Seventh-day Adventism is one of the furthest development of the Reformation. The Reformation started when Martin Luther found out that the righteousness of God was not punishment. It was not the law. But it was the nature of God. It was the love of God. It was God's dealing, the way He deals with man. All that is what Martin Luther said together when he found out the righteousness of God. So you and I must understand first what comes through. If you want to get that person to keep what? Okay. The law. You must first put in them what? So that it will be God working. Every one of you here must never lose sight of this fact that there is something called the righteousness of God, which is apart from or different to the law. Is that understood? And when the Bible says you are justified by faith, it doesn't mean God makes you keep the law by faith although you're supposed to keep the law by faith. Justified by faith or righteousness by faith means you receive the righteousness of God by faith. And then Paul says, but then do we make for any law? No! Through the same faith we do what? establish the law. Do you get that right there? But that's the whole gospel. That's the whole gospel. That's the whole gospel. And what these Seventh-day Adventist church has made a mistake with is that they don't understand that this righteousness of God that is different from the law. When it comes to these evangelical churches, they say the righteousness of God is the doing and dying of Jesus Christ. That's what they see. So they point to the plan of salvation or the death of Christ and the works of Christ the righteousness of God. Well now listen to me, if the death of Christ is the righteousness of God, then how do they interpret that? They say all God has to do is to impute to you the death of Christ and that's all. You have righteousness by deeds. And you know they are still unchanged? Yes, Lord? did not yet understand that. That is what the 1888 message of righteousness by faith was all about. When Jones and Wagner brought the 1888 message of righteousness by faith, it was Jones and Wagner that said we found that the righteousness of God is different from below, the but they still did not present it as clear as it was. That came a bit later, even by Ellen White, the way she explained it. You will get it explained properly in the book Desire of Ages and in Steps to Christ. But what we need to take into consideration, my dear brethren, is this important fact. It's this important fact that the righteousness of God that is different from the law. Is that understood, my dear Now watch what he's telling us. Let's
1: see
0: what and the righteousness of God is the promises of God. But they also say the righteousness of God is the law of God. That's what they say. So when they say righteousness by faith, they say do the law of God by believing. Believe and do the law of God. To me that is my only. You believe, you do the law of God. And you know that's the same teaching you get in the book Preparation for the Final Crisis by Fernando Chiaz in the Adventist Church. You believe and do the works of the law. And they call that justification by faith. Or righteousness by faith. Poor people, that's why the Adventist Church is in such a terrible state. That doctrine has destroyed many Adventists. Don't you see how they are? Don't you see what happened this week? A woman who got shot in her chest through some domestic quarrel. The woman died with bullets in her chest. They take her to the Adventist Hospital. What did they say? She had to pay $20,000 1st and charge fee at first before. Until they had to shift the woman to her next arm the hospital. So somebody call and expose it on the radio, you know the people lie, you know the people lie, today I'm making Um, today I'm I'm recording the radio program in 102 for Sunday, and what does, um, um, one of the fellows here tell me, the guy who does the taping for me, why right, Steve Cam? This is the same guy who spoke to them on the phone, on 102, and they put down the phone on him. What does he tell me there today? He say, ah boy, I see the Adventist and them get some good lashing. I say, that is why you hear what this radio program is all about. And the name of the radio program is Tuesdays 7 day Adventist Explained. That's our radio program for Sunday coming. Tuesdays Seventh-day Adventist explain, So that they will understand. That they rather the money above the people. That's how they are. <laughs> Brethren, are you understanding that far, right? Yes. Are you understanding yes. that's far? Yes. Right? So let's on. That's why they are that way. That's why they are that way. That's why they are like that. And let me tell you something. This is why, I, I, you see, I, 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 some time ago, I hear a raster. Anytime I want to join the Seventh-day Adventism, it's you all are joining, not them. That's what he told me. Why did he have to say that? Because he saw the difference. Those Adventists dare stand up before those cruel one or two and get away. God will always point us and say, we are the real Adventists. Amen. And why? Because the birthright is now upon us. But the birthright be upon you. Watch out before you spoil yourself. What do you say?
1: Amen.
0: And watch out before you give up bad image to people. What do you say? Amen, Amen brethren? Amen. Let's read on It goes on. Verse 21 again. But now, the righteousness of God without or apart from the law is manifested, being testified of or witnessed by the law, the writings of Moses, and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God which is true faith of Jesus Christ into all And upon all that believe, for there is what? No difference. Notice this. Even the righteousness of God, which is what? True faith of Jesus Christ. You see the word unto? That's not the original word. The Greek word is E-I-S-E-S and it means what? Into. Showing where the righteousness of God goes. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, where? Into all. And what? Upon all. Why upon all? It means we wear the righteousness of God as a robe of righteousness once it is in us. So into all and upon all that believe for there is what? No difference. Why did he say no difference? Because Jews and Gentiles are saved how? The same way. Is that understood? Is that understood? There is no difference because Jews and Gentiles are saved how? The same way. Is that understood, my dear Mary? That is why there is no difference. Jews and Gentiles are all saved by the righteousness of God through the faith of Jesus Christ being given into them that they may wait, but they must believe. Is that understood? Believing is the condition. And notice it says, even the righteousness of God by faith of Jesus Christ. Now watch on the board here. Since Jesus is God, The faith of Jesus Christ is the faith of God. And notice what we are told. The righteousness of God, which is different from the law, through the faith of Jesus Christ, into all and upon all I believe, for there is no difference. Which means the righteousness of God is given to us by the outcomes of God, given to us by God's saints, given to us by the truth of God, given to us by the faith of God. Is that on the same idea, brethren? This is how we get the righteousness of God. Isn't the scriptures clear now? Isn't it that plain? But it tells us there is no difference between between the Jews and the Gentiles. And then it goes on. Why there is no difference? For what? All have sinned and are coming short of the glory of God. Do you see that? That's why there is no difference. Because all, both Jews and Gentiles have what? Sinned and are what? Coming short of the Glory of God, and if they are justified, how are they justified? The next verse continues. And if they are justified, how are they justified? By works? It goes on. Being justified, how? Do you see that, my dear brethren? We are actually being told that both Jews and Gentiles all have sinned and are coming short of the glory of God. But all our when they when they repent and uh, when they repent, they are what being what? justified what? Freely by His grace through the what? Redemption that is in what? In Christ Jesus. Let's just stop here for a while. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let's just look at something here. Okay, Christ Jesus. Are we told the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What is this redemption that is in Christ Jesus? The word here that is translated redemption is the word apollotrosis. 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 In Jesus Christ, there is something called the apollotrosis or the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There is only one thing that is in Christ Jesus that redeems us. His blood. Amen, Bradley. His blood. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It is the blood that is in Christ Jesus that redeems us. That is the Apollo Trosis. Let's just look at this important scripture here. Turn with me to First John, sorry, to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 Found Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 Read it It says this here in whom we have what? Redemption. That's the word apolitrosis there again. In whom we have redemption, go ahead, through yes, His blood. No. Do you see that, my dear brethren? So yes. in other words, the redemption or the choices that is in Christ Jesus is the blood of Christ. So let's read back to Romans. Let's read back Romans. Being justified freely by His grace Through the blood that is in what? Christ Jesus. Do you see that, my dear brethren? Do you see that? The redemption there is the what? The blood that is where? In Christ Jesus. Read it on. Whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. Do you see that? Whom God had set forth to be a what? Propitiation. The word propitiation there... It's the Greek word helastirion. And it means mercy seat. Do you understand that, my dear brethren? So we are actually being told. Let's read. We are actually being told. Jesus Christ, whom God had set forth to be our mercy seat. True faith in his blood. Is that understood, my dear brethren? So we understand that Jesus is our mercy seat. Let's just look at this thing here now. In the Ark of the Testament, in, 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 the, in the sanctuary, there was something called an Ark. The Ark had a lid on it with four horns. This is the Ark. And in this box are the Ten Commandments. Aaron's rod and body and a pot of manna. And a lid was put upon the Ark here to cover it. This lady here was called the the Mercy Seat. Because God says, There will I appear before you. The Shekinah glory of God appeared right on this Mercy Seat here before Israel. Are you watching board now?
1: Yes.
0: The Shekinah glory of God appeared right here on this Mercy Seat before Israel. So the Mercy Seat here is actually where God appeared to Israel so when we are told according to Romans chapter 3 Jesus Christ whom God had set forth to be a mercy seat a meeting mercy seat was a symbol of Jesus Christ but you ask yourself how do you what, what do you get from the mercy seat of Jesus Christ it was the true faith in his love the faith that we have watch this now True faith in His blood. Let me just come to that one now. True faith in His blood. True faith in His blood. This is the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood. All we have to do is to ask ourselves the question, what is blood? When we understand what is blood, we can understand how true faith in His blood We are redeemed through faith in His blood. The faith must be in the blood of Christ that we are redeemed by. What is His blood? Turn to Leviticus 17, 11 and 14. Leviticus 17, 11 and 14. Leviticus 17, 11 and 14. 14. Is it found? Help your neighbor find it if you can find it. Eight. Verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that make it an atonement for the soul. Verse 14. For it is the life of the flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Do you see that, my dear brethren? Clearly showing us that blood symbolizes life. This is why people make you phrase life blood. Because blood symbolizes life. Do you get that, my, my dear brethren? If you bleed the person, all the nutrients and so on that is in the blood that keeps the personal life will go and the person will eventually die. So this is why we told the blood is the life thereof. Life there simply is the blood. So the blood symbolizes the life. So the blood of Christ symbolizes what? Life. Notice the Bible says through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And what the Bible says, in him was what? Life. And the life was the light of the world. In him was life. Is that understood? In him was blood. Now we'll come to what is life. Yes brother. Yes, oh yes, yes. Yes, much more than being, being now justified by his blood. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. You come to that? Yes, amen, amen, yes, yes. I, I, I actually do that. But we will come to that. Amen. Very good. Right. But now, what is life? John seventeen three. What is life? John seventeen. Sorry. What is life? John seventeen three. From. So, and this is life. That I might know thee the only true God and what? Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Let's read it again. What is life? John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal. That they might what? know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So it comes out that the blood is the life and the life is a knowledge of God and Christ. But when you say a knowledge of God and Christ What kind of knowledge? An experience Because we know God we, we, We experience God by what? Knowing Him Is that understood my dear brother? Is that understood? We experience God by what? Knowing Him Right? So when it says a knowledge of God and Christ It means an experience of God Right? So life L-I-F-E God is love. Amen, better? Love Amen. faith. See that? So life is love, which is called in faith experience true faith in His blood. So in other words, once blood, right, is a knowledge of God and Christ, which is an experience of God, as the Bible says, true faith in His blood, we are redeemed through the revealed truth that is in His Word, blood, or in the life. Is that understood, my dear so the redemption that we experience is through the faith that is in his blood. Let's read on again back to Romans chapter 3. Verse 25. Jesus Christ, whom God verse 25. Right. Jesus Christ, whom God had set forth to be a mercy faith, a mercy seat through faith in his blood. Do you see that, my dear brethren? Right? Now, this is what I have done. I took a Greek text. You see how big my Bible is here, right? You know why why my Bible is so big, right? Because it's other Bibles binded together. And in the Greek text, when I look in the Greek text, which is transliterated, it tells me whom God set forth a mercy faith, see through the faith in his blood but they didn't put D in the D in the King James Version but Z is in the original Through the faith in his blood so the faith that is in the blood of Christ is what justifies us justified by faith is that understood my dear brethren but the faith that is in his blood which is the life which is an experience of the love of God so that faith in his blood is what justifies us one and then two yes they don't have the article the definite article the bible says one lord one faith one baptism one faith, and then roman and then hebrews chapter 11 gives us a description of what faith is The evidence of things not seen which is the oracles of god that is the truth of god that is the evidence of things not seen and then the whole of hebrews 11 describe men of faith from all over the ages. So it's one idea of faith, not different kinds of faith. Right? Yes?
1: Uh, can you make a connection between okay. truth of Christ which gave us the experience of bringing to the earth? Do you think it's a connection? Yes. Say that again. Make a connection as it makes to us the truth of Christ we have redemption, um, redemption to the faith,
0: Right, that is God set forth Christ as the Moses for us. In other words, it is Christ he must go to. Right? Right. But we get to him through the faith that is in his blood. Right? We get him through the faith in his blood. So in other words we come to Christ through faith. We don't come to Christ just like that, so it is the revealed truths of Christ. It is the oracles of God that Jesus Christ. Right? So we come to Christ through the faith. Right? In His blood. Number one thing, that there's not different kinds of faith. Like we have a kind of faith, and Christ have a kind of faith. The Bible tells us we must believe. Right? In Jesus, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. So it's not two kinds of faith, our faith and Christ's faith. The faith is the faith of Christ or the faith of God. But we must believe. Our believing is not faith. Our believing is a mental act of accepting something as true. So that's how the Bible makes a difference here. So we must recognize that, right? Right? Now what's this important point here. Let's go on. Again, this verse here needs to be properly translated. Because this verse is not properly translated. Let's read it again whom God had set forth to be a mercy mercy seat through the faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Look at that whole statement. You know what Martin Luther said? I love what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther wrote a commentary in the book of Romans. When he came to that, he said, that is a difficult text. I can't even understand it. So I wouldn't give no long talk on it. He was very good to say that. Because that understanding of this scripture is more possible for those who understand the whole plan of salvation. In the Reformation, they were now coming out of darkness. And as they were now coming out of darkness, they would not understand the plan of salvation in a proper way. So I could understand Martin just saying he wouldn't understand this scripture properly. Now, let me just write down this text in a proper way for you all. I'm gonna take off this now. That's a lot, that's the scripture. That's it. I just put Jesus Christ here because that is from the verse before, right? This is a proper translation of the verse. Right? Jesus Christ, whom God had set forth. To be a mercy seat, telestirian, translated for pitiation there. True faith is true faith in his blood. Right? It says to declare, I say, but it should be for the ensuring or the showing within. Either one you put is right. For the ensuring or for the showing within of this righteousness. For the passing over. It is translated remissions here. Right? And he says, for the passing over of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. This scripture, when Martin Luther read that, he says it was so difficult he couldn't understand it. But if you and I break it up in pieces, we can understand it. Right? We know Jesus Christ is the one whom God We know that Jesus Christ is the one whom God had set forth to be a mercy seat for us. That we could go to him, right? But we go to him what? Sure. The faith that is in his blood. Right? Is that understood, my dear brethren? But why did God do this? Why did he set forth Jesus, Jesus as a mercy seat? that we will go to him through faith in his blood. Why? For a particular reason, the verse tells us, for the showing within. You showing within is showing within us. The idea you get is something in us showing out. That you look and you see something within you, like it's like somebody take a uh, some kind of looking glass and they look at your belly and they see your organs within. So it's for the showing within or the in-showing of his righteousness in other words God wants us to go to Jesus Christ as a mercy seat through faith in his blood that his righteousness may be within us showing out do you see that that the righteousness may be what in us showing showing within us his righteousness the righteousness of God not the Ten Commandments. Amen brethren? Let me repeat it again. Listen to this carefully. When you get this clear, this is the whole plan of salvation in a nutshell. That's why it is so thick with knowledge. Watch this. Why did God set forth Jesus Christ to be a mercy seat? The one who we go to? Why? Why did He set for Jesus Christ to be the mercy seat? Through faith in His blood. We have to go to Jesus Christ as the mercy seat through the faith in His blood that we may have His righteousness showing within us. Is that understood? That we may have His righteousness here, yeah? showing. showing within us. So when a person looks at you though, The righteousness of God must be in you, showing forth. Is that understood? Is that understood, my dear, brother? Yes. The righteousness of God must be in you, showing forth. For the showing within of His righteousness. But why does God want righteousness to be in you, showing forth? That He may what? For the what? Passing over of sins that are passed through the forgiveness of God. In other words, God cannot... Listen to me. Listen to me. God cannot pass over past sin if the righteousness of God is not within us showing forth. And if you want to get it, go to the mercy seat through faith in the blood of Christ. What do you see? Isn't that an mercy That's the blessing out of past sins. When God sees his righteousness showing forth within, in the judgment he will walk. Pass. Pass over sins of the past. The passing. You Amen, Beren? And why, why are we told passing through truly forbearance of God? It's only the forbearance of God that causes us to even have sins Why is it called past, sins of the past, truly forbearance of God? It is only the forbearance of God, you understand, that allows us to have those sins in the first place because He could have slain us. Amen, brethren? Amen, brethren? Right, so you see, this is the whole plan of salvation. Sing to Jesus Christ that you may be justified because remember what the verse before said, right? Remember what the verse before said, verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So you're justified, already. Right? And that is in Jesus Christ whom God had set forth to be a mercy seat through that faith in his blood. That there will be an showing or showing within of his righteousness for the passing over of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That's why whenever I look at the Passover or the Passat, I look at it in a twofold sense. I look at it in, in a twofold sense. I often look at it in the sense of Christ dying for us, but I also look at it as because the blood is applied to us, He passes over our sins in the judgment. The Passover really symbolizes the whole plan of salvation when you really think about it. But that's another thing. You're not touching that now. That's another thing. But isn't that wonderful, my dear brethren? Yeah, Do you understand it now that it is properly translated? Yeah. And this is why you see I put my... um. My my hexapla, sixfold, that's what the word means. And I can just turn, like for instance in the King James, in our Exegesis Bible here, I I put, see the Greek text. So when I turn to the Greek text, it's right here, chapter 3, it's right here. You see? You see? So, let's go on now. So, brethren, do you all understand that, right? So, let's go on now. Good. Alright. So now we understand that it goes on. Continue in verse twenty-six. To declare, I say, or for the ensuring, for the ensuring, I say, at this time, his righteousness, right? So this is why he repeats ensuring. Because ensuring of God's righteousness is not only for the past to be it off, but the righteousness must be showed off from within us at this time. Why? Why must it be shown us at this time also when we are justified? Why? It goes on. For the ensuring I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the what? The justifier of him which believing in Jesus. So In other words, it must, the righteousness of God must be seen in our shining All right Right now, at this present time, that it may be seen that God is what? Just, and that He justifies those who believe in Jesus. Amen, brethren? Now, do you understand the scripture? Isn't it not simple? Isn't it not beautiful? Of course! Simple and beautiful. Let's read on. It goes on. Where is boasting then? Who do you think he's rebuking? The Jews! Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Now when you say law of faith, you have another law of faith. When he says the law of faith, it is a kind of an acronym. It simply means, by what law? It's like if I say, okay, I'm going to give you a law. The law is faith. That's like if you were saying that. So he say your sin is excluded by what law? Of works, no, but by the law of faith. Meaning if you want a law, you understand? Better is faith that you have. And if that faith is believing, then it will be stupidness and folly to tell a person just by your believing or by your trusting. So when he says by what law? By the law of faith, it means it's the faith of what? Jesus Christ. Let's read on. Therefore, we conclude that a man, when he say a man, he mean both Jew and Gentile, is justified, what? By faith, go ahead, without the deeds of the Lord. The of the Lord. Amen, brethren? Amen. Beautiful. Now he goes on, back to his original point. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, Yes, of the Gentiles also. Why? Because that's what Romans chapter 3 is all about. It is telling us that God does not see a difference between what? A Jew and what? A Gentile. The Jew is corrupt. The Gentile is corrupt. The Jew cannot be saved by works. The Gentile cannot be saved by words. The Jew must be justified by faith. The Gentile also must be justified by faith. That's what Romans chapter 3 is all about. Is that understood? So let's read on. Verse 30. See, it is one God that shall justify the circumcision, that is the Jews, out of faith, and the uncircumcision that is the Gentiles, through the faith, do we then make void the law, through the faith? What does he say? God forbid, yea, rather we want, establish the law. Amen, remember it? it says, one God that justifies both Jews and Gentiles, through the faith. He justifies them out of faith or through the faith. And then the question is asked, do we then make void the law, through the faith? No. God forbid, yea, we want, establish the law. But look at the important point here. Remember we were being told of a righteousness of God which is what? Apart from the law. Even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ. So then in the end he comes there, He comes up and tells us do we then make void the law through the faith? Paul is saying when I said a righteousness of God apart from the law, I don't, do not mean that you make void the law through the faith. Even though the righteousness of God comes through the faith of Jesus Christ, I do not mean you make void the law through faith. But yeah, rather, you do what? You establish the law. So if you have the righteousness of God within, showing forth, you do not transgress the law of God, you do what? Establish the law of God. Amen, David? And so end up beautiful, philosophical, theological exegesis of the gospel by Paul. Amen, brethren? Amen. And I am sure you all understood this to a certain extent, right? Amen. Now, so that's how simple it is and that's how beautiful it is. It's rather really a theological understanding of the chapter that you have just gotten. Remember that. Don't forget it. And keep it in mind. And what we are going to deal with next Wednesday is chapter 4 because the whole of chapter 4 is hinged on verse 28 of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 28. Tells us. Therefore, we conclude that a man is what? Justified by faith. What? Without the deeds of the law. And it is that verse that is going to be exegeted or explained in the whole of chapter 4. Amen that so, do you see the connection of chapter with chapter? One chapter is connected to the next chapter, that chapter is connected to the next chapter, and so on. So when he goes to chapter 4, he's gonna explain Romans 3, 28. So you can clearly understand that Romans 3.28 is explained in Romans 4. Amen, brethren? Isn't that lovely? Beautiful book, isn't it? Yes, brother. Yes. I that is because they do not understand and they don't care to understand. So number one, they don't understand and number two, they don't care to understand. They just want to get something against you. So they seize upon any scripture without understanding it. What Paul is simply telling us is that we are not justified by the works of the law. He's not saying that means you don't have to do the law. He's just simply saying you're not justified by it. And this was a theology a false concept that was being taught by the Pharisees and even by the church that was being influenced by Pharisees. They taught that, that, that God will only justify you when you do the works of the law. They've been told be circumcised and start to do the law. And as you circumcise and start to do the law, then God justifies you. So you look for God to owe you something, but you start to save yourself. Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You get justification, which is the righteousness of God in you, and then you do the works of the Lord. Do you get that clear? That's what he see. So they don't understand. That's the reason why. And they don't care to understand. That's the reason why. Right? Okay? Always remember, antinomianism, being against the law of God, is because of anti-Sabbatarianism. They fight against the law because they're against the sabbath that's the real reason they take the whole bath water which is the law with the baby in it which is the sabbath and throw the whole thing out because if they take the baby and throw it out it will evidently be wrong so they have to take the whole thing gone some are stupid enough to tell us there is now only nine laws in heaven so instead of having ten commandments, God is going to show people nine. Stupid people out there. So some of them smart, They say, well, the whole thing abolished. They throw the water with the baby. But I'll tell them one thing for sure. If they have to throw the water with the baby, you understand? It means to simply say that the, seven, the, the Sabbath itself is the baby. But if the Sabbath is the baby, the Sabbath is the important thing. Because the water is not the important thing, the daily is the important thing. You remember it? So they better keep the Sabbath. Now, let's start. As you have understood this beautiful thing, ask yourself one question. Did I use my mind? The human mind is a wonderful tool. And a wonderful privilege We can use it to do many things, to think, to remember, to study, to to reason things out. Did I use my mind to understand the truth? Do I take these things serious? One last statement before we pray. Remember this, my dear brother. These things may seem like a just a whole set of theological knowledge to some. But these things are the principles that make society. If you have these truths planted in your mind to you make you see things properly, speak properly, relate properly, love your fellow men, and be saved. These are the things that sanitize the mind. Let me put it another way. These are the things that make the mind sane. Make the reasoning sane. Make the judgment sane. Therefore, it is your duty to make sure you learn these things. Spend some time. Take some time home. Spend some time with your Bible. And just study these things and learn it well. And you will feel in your very bowels the joy of communion with the Holy Spirit. Of the presence of God with you as you study your Bible. After a while, it will become something that you like so much that if you miss it once, you feel that you have more than God. Therefore, Make it your habit. Spend some time with your Bible. If you see my advice, it's marked up all over. And just the reason why I didn't really mark it up too much is because I might make it look too confusing. But if I were to mark it, I would mark it up much more. Six, six books binded together. Dictionary of the Greek, Greek text, different versions of the Bible, Bible helps, Greek, a Greek textbook to help you understand everything in one. My hexapla, sixfold, sixfold. This is the Bible for the end. Get your special Bible. Build your special Bible to use as a scholar to fight in the cause of God. It wouldn't cost you much. It wouldn't cost you a hundred dollars to bind the Bible. Bind them together. Get adequate work and prepare yourself for battle. Amen? Let us have our closing prayer. Let us pray. Loving Father, we thank you for these truths that you have shown us today. We thank you very much for these loving truths that you have given us. Help us to spend time studying our Bibles individually, that we will learn these truths for ourselves, that our intellect may de- develop. May develop that our spiritual rationalism, which gets rid of superstition, which gets rid of unscientific thoughts, that our spiritual rationalism may be developed, and that our minds may become sane, our judgments may become sound, and that we will be saved forevermore. Also, Father, as our brethren prepare to go and do missionary work, in Carriacou, in Grenada, in St. Vincent, in Becquia, and wherever. Please be with them and bless them in a very special way, Father. Help them to be successful and to raise up churches in your name. These mercies we ask of you, Lord, thanking you again for hearing us and helping us. Through Christ our Savior. Amen. Okay. Uh, Just these little charts on the board here is to help us understand Romans chapter 4 which we will be dealing with tonight. Remember what we are talking about here that the Book of Romans are not given to Romans as a race of people, but it is given to the churches that are in Rome, which are called Romans. And the churches are made up of Jews and Gentiles. It's made up of Jews, Romans, Greeks, Barbarians, etc. All of them are part of that population of the church that is in Rome. And remember, what we discussed before, That the issues being dealt with in Romans are issues for life. What do I mean by that? Simply this, my dear brethren. If you make a mistake in understanding the points of Romans, you're going to make a mistake in many things in your life. The mistake made in Romans chapter 4, when it relates to every single part of your existence, is a struggle. So you must get Romans chapter four, very important. The principles in this chapter make for good Christian living and helps us also to be free from the great deceptions that are going on concerning religion. There are so many religions teaching so many dangerous deceptions, why? Simply because they do not understand Romans chapter four. And if you and I are not to fall in those kind of deceptions that these religions are in, then we need to understand properly Romans chapter 4. The first thing we want to look at here in Romans chapter 4 is that on the board here, Romans chapter 4, if you look at the board here, pay attention to the board now, Romans chapter 4 is an explanation of Romans chapter 3 and verse 28. Romans 3, 28 it's explained in Romans chapter 4 if you are exp-